0: Jeff Wilson started covering the Texas Rangers in 2008, though he'll never forget 2021. Out on his own, he decided it was time to do a podcast, but his wheels were spinning until a nerd came along. There's no going back now. Welcome to the Texas Rangers baseball podcast. Here's your host, Jeff Wilson, and the recliner nerd himself, John Moore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Texas Rangers baseball podcast. This is episode number 39. Today... David Murphy is going to join us. Rangers have just finished a little homestand. They're headed back out on the road. Jeff, yeah. uh, we got to get in and talk about the big league team before we get David in here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I hate the schedule, first of all. You know, the three-game homestand is ridiculous. Weird. And then a four-game road trip. And, and then they're and back. Then, and then they're back, but they're off two, off three, and then they're gone for like nine games. Right. It's just... The nine games are fine, but this stretch is is garbage. But anyway, uh, about about the major league team, you know, they they just went one and two against the Astros. Yeah, um, they they they're in Detroit now. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's a dis, it's a disappointing series probably because because of what happened Tuesday. But uh, you know, they they really argue arguably they they could have won two out of three, but they also could have been swept. Sure. So I you know you kind of kind of put things in perspective and. Uh, you know that eighth inning Tuesday is a, was a downer, and of course the first inning Wednesday stunk. But right, um, you know, just one of those things. And keep in, mi- keep in mind, the Astros are very, very good, and so yeah. Um, but the Rangers are playing pretty well still.
0: Yeah, when you got to give Hearn a little credit, Hearn Look, Hearn came out, gave up a couple of runs. They that look what what happened to the Astro? What happened to the Rangers Tuesday night? Happened to the Astros Monday night. Yeah, uh, Rangers should have lost that game. They come back late in the game, they win the sure. game. Turn around the next night course everyone why did woody do this or that this wow they jump off this you know it's amazing this team hasn't gone they're 63 they should be 63 and 0 right that's what they're they were built to go 63 and 0 never be scored on never give up a run and score and everyone should go never had injury right so um it's crazy that it's that way but you know Yesterday, with Otto out again, um, you're, I, I, you think immediately when you see who they're going to throw in, they're going to throw Miller in to start, and it's going to be basically sort of a bull- well, he's a starting pitcher, I guess, but you kind of knew it was going to be a bullpen day yeah. going into it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the one you kind of expected to lose because they didn't have a pitcher determined for the you know Monday and Tuesday. We right, still didn't right. know who was starting.
1: Well, you know, they, they wanted to start him. I mean, they hadn't they hadn't used him. They really uh, they hadn't had opportunity to use him, but they right they were kind of holding him back for. Wednesday and you know it, it you know hindsight being 2020 you know you're like all right so why didn't they start Colby Allard who pitched pretty well right well the Astros have seen Allard a lot yep and um so that's probably the reason why they they, they went with with Miller who they probably haven't seen and um you know I don't know that we'll see him again after that but uh it, it was just you know he was all over the place maybe yeah. he was nervous or uptight or whatever but um you know and against is. and against that pitching staff, six is really hard to come back from. So yeah, uh, but you know, a, a Tuesday I'm sure we probably should talk about the eighth inning when uh, John King pitched. He's he's been uh, hot and cold. You know, he struggled on Friday at Chicago, but pitched great uh, on, on Sunday in that that crazy game in which Eli White was injured. Right. Um, you know he he pitched he pitched well enough to get out of the inning with minimal damage. Sure. You know, and, and I know people are like, Oh god, John King. You know, Why did they even go to John King? Right. And and, and there's there's good debate about that. I sure. I, I, I get it. I, I would rather have a guy like who strikes out guys working that in yeah, you. Know, yeah. John rather, King's uh, a ground ball guy. I'd rather have Matt Bush there right. the way the roster is currently constructed. And um but he you know, if the ground ball to Corey Seager, Corey Seager should have turned a double play. Absolutely. There's just, there's just no doubt about
0: that. Well, the next batter was Alvarez, uh, who grounded out to first. Right, so, so. you're
1: you're, you're going to give up a run there, and and he, and even if he went home, you still got to execute that play and catch the ball and tag Altuve. Great, so but you're still going to have runners at second, third. You're going to a ground ball, a run's going to score. Sure. Anyway, you're at minimum, at minimum, you're coming out of that inning tied. If if that play at third base is made, if in the rundown, but right again, John King got the ground balls he needed to get out of the inning to just you know. Yeah, the infi- and, the infielders didn't help him. At well,
0: all. Y- y- you're exactly right. And look, he started off with with the two hits. Starts off with Altuve. Right. Then he starts off, and they they get two on on base. But then he makes the play he needs to make. He makes the yeah. pitch he needs to make right. to get out of the inning. You can debate back and forth who should have been there. I think Woodward has said maybe he's not going to be in more leverage situations. Right. Is that right? Right.
1: Yeah, and and he was actually warming up yesterday at one point. Um, down seven to two, I think. Sure, he, he, he was warming up. So. You know, give him give him a little break. He's you know he's still a young guy. He didn't he didn't pitch a full season last year. He had right. the thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, So anyway, look the Yan- the Yankees wanted John Gray last year in the Joey Gallo
0: trade. John King, yeah.
1: John King, sorry, uh, I don't know. Maybe they wanted John Gray too, but <laughs> they wanted John King. Uh He had the injury, so they backed off, and it ended up being a smaller deal Joely. That, that had yeah Willie Rodriguez in it, but. He's going to be fine, but he does need a different role, and that's going to happen because Leclerc and Jonathan Hernandez are going to come back.
0: Both at AAA right now.
1: Yeah, and Leclerc is very close. Yeah. Um, by the time you listen to this or watch this, he may actually be on the on the major league roster. He pitched Tuesday night. Wait, he pitched Wednesday night from Round Rock. They may want him to go back to back, so he may pitch tonight, Thursday, and then get a couple of days off and 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 be ready. Um, <clears throat> maybe be ready for the start of the the, the next home stand. Right. So. Bullpen's going to change roles are going to change roles sure. are going to shift um so anyway and speaking of change you know we have a the the rangers have a new center fielder and and this guy lioti tavares um, we were there
0: the night he, he made yeah his-
1: yeah you know obviously you never want to see what happened to eli white absolutely not. don't want your opportunities to arise that way but it did and um you know on, on the on the collision we got to talk about that because charlie Culberson feels terrible about it yeah um it was just one of those things. Eli will probably play again this season, but if if things go as the Rangers expect, leodi Tavares is going to be the center fielder from, from here on out. And uh, he he's as good defensively. I know Eli's made these great catches this year. Leo Leody's just as good, if not better. He definitely has a better arm. Yeah, um, it looks more natural. E- Eli's a you know former infielder, so it's not as. Uh, smooth maybe just yet it it will be but leote he just glides through the ball gets (laughs) such great reads and jumps on balls uh uh, you know the offense obviously is what's gonna make or break leote and if you look at what he did uh at triple a he was hitting around i think it was in 295 when he was called up right um switch hitter power on both sides it looked like a little bit more discipline so what the changes that were given to him by the hitting coaches in spring training it really really he really took to him yep and so i know i know more he's more
0: straight up when he's here.
1: <clears throat> right i know he had the the, the <laughs> disaster disastrous 21 um and, and people are probably down on him based on that he's 23 and he's he is nowhere near his his prime or full development so you get you got to give leoti taveras another chance yeah
0: and you and i were talking about it monday night we were sitting there watching look I, Nothing against Eli White. <laughs> Eli White is fantastic in the outfield. He Defensively, he makes some wonderful catches. He went and took the home run away. We've yeah, yeah, seen yeah. that. But you watch. I'm telling you, a lot of those catches that Eli have made, the diving catches that have been wonderful – I really think that Leote's the guy that runs him down and doesn't have to die. Right. I mean, he's so smooth in the outfield. He he went to a couple of balls Monday night where you and I were sitting there. It looked like for sure that was a double that was going to be in both ways yeah. that he ran down with no problem right. and glided over. It Looked like he didn't have a prayer. Glided right under it and caught it. it. It was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, the guy that's his that's his calling card. You know, I mean, and and if even if he's let's say he's a two fifty hitter. Right. Um, 320 on base guy, 700 OPS guy, but plays tremendous center field. Yep. You'll take that every day. We'll put that in your lineup every day, especially as big as Globe Life field is, Yep. you know, as big as, uh, you know, Oakland, uh, God bless that place. Um, <laughs> as big as Seattle is, you, you want a guy who's going to go get a lot of fly balls. Absolutely. And, and that's what, that's what he can do. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I, I, I really am. I've, I've, been high on Leoti for uh, a number of years he's he's a mature guy he has his family with him now yeah um that that helps him uh you know he he doesn't worry about things as much after a game you know he's he's matured his English is is really picked up well so um he's he's come he's coming together here and uh you know frankly was rushed in in 20 and 21 but
0: hey well they were they were in in 2020 they they weren't they, they were going to bring anyone. They were trying to do it all within the organization. I mean, yeah. it was a weird year. They brought up some of these kids that they that they shouldn't have. The, and, and and yes, he was absolutely rushed in 2020. 2021, he got off to the bad start. Right. He did what he did. But I tell you right now, it, watching him at the plate, he's had great at-bats on a strikeout. He's had a great at-bat sure. where he's worked from down in the count. He's worked balls. He looks comfortable the way he's yeah. standing up, making good swings. Hey, every once in a while, you miss that third strike on a fastball. Yeah. He's swinging at it. He missed it. You can't argue. It's yeah. when he's going down on three pitches that you're worried. But sure. when he's working counts, sure. that looks good. He's putting the barrel on He, he hit one the other night. Uh, I think it was uh, Tuesday when he hit one that he had a chance that a, a base hit would have dri- driven in a run. He just missed it. He flied out to mm. center field. But it was a good hit, bad. He put a barrel on it. Yeah. Launch angle was wrong. You can't argue with what he was doing at the plate. He looked like somebody you yeah. felt had a chance to get that run in.
1: Yeah, and and – if he if he's going well, he will be an upgrade over Eli White offensively. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. I know Eli did some really good things this year at the plate, but he's still batting 200, yeah. you know, and and so that could be upgraded for sure. Um, things that are, you know, the, the and the lineup still hasn't clicked yet. No. You know, you're still talking about guys that are trying to figure it out. Corey Seager is one of them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but Marcus Simeon has started to hit. Yes. Uh, Nate Lowe back there has started to hit, and, and then Adoles Garcia has been very productive. So, this offense has a has a chance to to be very to be better and 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 if that happens and the pitching staff is still good right good enough then you're looking at a team that that will be a pest all season
0: yeah and and they're going into a favorable part of the schedule Right, mm, I think yeah. they—they're. They're they, yeah. How many games? They're about to go against how many teams that don't have winning <laughs> records that right. they're about to play. Um, I saw where that's coming up, which they need to capitalize on that. Sure. I mean, you're going into Detroit. I mean, if you don't split at least in Detroit, it's a failure there. You need to come yeah. away with at least two, hopefully three mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, because Detroit is is scuttling pretty bad right now. Chicago yeah, just took gone them south. Yeah, and, and they're going south. So, in fact, I think they had to have a team meeting. I saw that where A.J. Hinch had to go in and get on them after they used three position players that pitched oh in the game gosh. yesterday or the first time ever in franchise history <laughs> uh, that something like that happened. So, you know, it's a little early to talk about it, but it's June. We're getting in the middle of June. We're going into July. What's this team going to do at the deadline?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think they're kind of in a position similar to – to 2015, when uh, they were below 500, you um, Darvish was out. Right, uh, but they were—he was going to come back next year. They felt good about the team's chances in 16, so they went out and got Cole Hamels. And uh, you know, the, as, as that deal was coming together, they were like you know four or five games behind 500. When it was finally consummated before the deadline, they were two games under 500. They end up winning the division.
0: Right. You know, and, but they and, were like nine uh, games back, right? But, games yeah, back. they were
1: they were well behind. Um and, and they say, you know, they, they said at the time and they'll tell you now, they being you know, John Daniels and the other guys who are still around from the front office, that yeah, yeah, you know, we we made the trade for down the road because Hamels had control until twenty eighteen, but yeah, we thought it would give us a chance. I, I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it ended up working out great. Anyway, the Rangers could make a similar kind of deal this year. They they at the deadline they could find a pitcher identify a pitcher who is on a team that needs to shed salary is not going the right direction um, and they could they could make a deal they have enough prospects to do it you know that 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 Hamels trade and I think it was five prospects plus Matt Harrison just for a a you know to to shed some money to make the money line up a little bit better right but um, that's uh, that's the kind of deal that they could make I I don't think they're going to try to go all in and. Make a bunch of different deals to 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 try to win. So probably this year. no bats.
0: Probably more of a starting no. pitcher in here. Yeah. To get... No.
1: No. You know, what, they could they could get a, a hitter in the same vein as uh, trying to get a Cole Hamills type guy, who, who will be around you know, under control what for the next few years. Yeah. Because you know, if you look at next offseason, their targets are going to be starting pitching and, and and the outfield. Right. And so um, they they could address that via trade. And, and not have to get into a bidding war or anything like that, you'll get less control but still you'll get a, a, a good player and theoretically for for more than just three months or you know sure a year yeah
0: absolutely I mean then there's there's interesting names that are out there that they'll do that. They're not going to rent a player. Um, mm-hmm. this is not the year the I, here's the closest they'll come to renting a player. Somebody that's going to be taken away from a team, and or or DFA'd from a team, that's somebody they might target that hits free agency to get another bat in. They're not going to waste a prospect on anything no, like that. I don't think so. To get someone in on this, unless they're and that's only if they're still kind of hanging around and they think one yeah. more bat'll do it. They're not going to waste a prospect to get that bat. They're, yeah, they're not going to do it. Um, but like you said, I mean, like Reynolds is a fun name everyone talks about. Pittsburgh, that's going to take a haul. Yeah. Uh, to get he's not having the greatest year, but that's going to take a haul to pull him right, away. Right. Um, then you got Maul, Castilla, Montas. We talked about him. Uh. Oh, I like Montas. And I do too. I mean, he's he's done well against the Rangers too. But Oakland yeah. within this within the division, uh, you know, although Bean can sometimes go prospects you're not thinking of. He likes his he gets his eyes on certain guys that, that but he they develop them there, that's for sure. Well, I
1: mean the, the biggest trade the Rangers made and arguably the biggest they made in club history was getting Cliff Lee in twenty ten and they got him from the Mariners within the division. So right. you know, and, and they've made They've made trades with Oakland uh, you know, as recently twenty twenty the Mike Miner deal. Jersey well, twenty twenty one they they traded uh, the Elvis to yep uh, to to the A's. So, pro um, they're not afraid to do it within the division. Um, but yeah, you know I do. You, you well, want, I'm not
0: saying you, the Rangers are afraid. I'm wondering if Oakland. Yeah, you, I guess you Oakland. always
1: want you always want your guys to your prospects to make the major league team, your major league team, and. That's not always possible, obviously, but and then if you trade away a guy who's a star and he kills you for the next eight years, you know
0: that's it. Yeah, that, so, that, that's that's anyway. not fine. No, and that's exactly what they're saying. But but they find themselves in the situation with a with a plethora what's a word a plethora of middle infielders all the way through this organization, yeah. even at the top level. Sure, two of them are vying for third base right now. Yeah. You got Josh Young that's coming back. They have some pieces they can move on that. Yeah, um, that's a good problem to have when you want them to play on your team, but there's just not a place to play them right now.
1: Yeah, it, it you know, that, that's a, it's a heck of a predicament they have, are gonna have. I mean, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. They say, you know, all, too many good players at one position. Um, you know, Duran looks like a keeper. Smith looks like a keeper. Yep. You know, and, and down at
0: AAA doing his rehab right now.
1: Right, and and Young, of course, was. Going to be the third baseman, the yeah. heir apparent when he was so. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting, and, and these things all all work themselves out somewhere or another. Um,
0: but it's a nice problem to have. Yeah,
1: and and geez, you know, to you're talking about three positions at, at three players at one position. You know, two years ago, you couldn't even come up with with one player at some position. So Absolutely. you
0: know, the farm system's better. Well, then, and and there's going to be some position changes. I think some 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 guys that they really like, they really like the bat, they really want to keep, may have to move positions. I mean, sure. look, uh, young, young is obvious. They think is the third baseman of the future, but is he? I mean, is he better than some of the other guys playing there? He could make maybe move a position. Uh, you know, Lowe over at first base is now proving that he, he if he keeps up what he's doing yeah. now, that would that looked like a spot that maybe they might look to improve in the offseason too. Not if he keeps doing what he's doing. Still right, having a little right. issue with the fastball, but he's waiting on his pitches. He's he's putting the ball in play, and he, yeah. he he has good at bats when the when there's someone in scoring position too.
1: Yeah, he had a pretty miserable stretch there uh, into April, into May, but he's he's picked it up now. The the he's, he's hitting home runs. You know, the right. ball the ball's leaving the park, so that's a good sign for him. And he you know I did a story for the Rangers program, um, and he said, "I've just got to hit home runs and doubles. That's what I've got to do." You know, yeah. and then. And he thinks he can do it. He's a big guy, you yep. know. tremendous raw power. If you watch his BPS, and he's <laughs> hit, he's hit some long home runs in his career. He hit yep. the longest home run by a Rangers player last year, and like the third game of the season yep. in Kansas City. So this guy can this guy can hit. It's just if it and if it comes together, it's great. I, I wonder about his defense. His defense has been pretty spotty. You know, is this is he becoming a future DH? You know, and but the DH only thing is rough. And if you're going to have a lot of players that need at bats, that's a good way to do it. So sure. Anyway. Well, we, we, we shouldn't be talking about down the road, you yeah, know. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to talk the, about now. The, the team, the team's playing pretty good now, and I know they have some. Ter- like when they have losses, they're awful losses. It just seems oh, like, yeah. it just seems like they're disasters. But they have a lot of good wins too.
0: Absolutely, twenty nine and thirty three. So they're four games under five hundred. This is Thursday heading into the Detroit series. Yeah. Four and six in their last ten. They've lost two in a row. Hey, they're still only four and a half out of the wild card. So you know, that's I always. Hang on to that nine and a half back of the AL West, but they are in second place. And, and you know what? Those battles happen when the top two teams in the division battle, uh, uh, like they did with with Houston. So you know what? It, it, this is so much better than the baseball we've seen the last two years. Absolutely. And there's and no there's nothing you can hide. Yeah. Well, guys, listen. Let's get David in here. He's got yeah. here. Let's get David in here. We're gonna go to him. After that, we'll go down in the bus leaves when Davis is gone. Uh, when David's gone, but David Murphy's gonna be joining us right after this. All right, guys, and joining us right now, you know him from the. Uh, post- and pregame show for the Texas Rangers. Well, you know him for more than that. You also know him. He's also a color analyst for the Texas Rangers. But more than that, seven years he played for the Texas Rangers. Part of that World Series teams, it's David Murphy. David, thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Good to be here, guys. F- <laughs> fake applause, I'm sure. We'll be. <laughs> We're gonna
0: get the applause going <laughs> yeah. now.
1: Uh, so, yeah. So, thanks for coming. 45-minute drive from your home. I won't reveal the location. Um <clears throat> But I mean, you're making that drive a lot to Arlington. You you, you, you you're staying busy in I, retirement.
2: If, if you think about you know what the requirement is for mm-hmm. the baseball season, and I you know you work half the year, and I don't even work half the game, so yeah. I, I don't mind driving a little bit. But we're <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a dad of four, so I'm i I'm a taxi service as it is. But well, this is probably all you want to do right a free now. Free right? Uber. <laughs> like work from a work
1: perspective, you probably don't want to do any more than this, because I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. they probably want you to do more games.
2: Yeah, it's it's fluctuated. And yeah. I actually, I cut down a little bit this year just because my, my kids are at, you know, prime ages where I want to be involved in what's going on. And I miss yeah. so much, you know, their early stages of childhood overlapped with the end of my career. And so the, the last thing I want to do is miss what's going on right now since I had to miss so much early on. I mean, I remember. I've been doing this now. This is my fifteenth season. I
1: remember when every one of your kids was born, David. It makes me feel old now. As you have a fourteen-year-old, but um, yeah. I mean, it, do, what do they remember?
2: So I think my oldest <laughs> remembers the most, and she's got a good memory. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't remember a ton of the Texas Ranger days, although both of my oldest—they're they're my girls—and yeah. uh, my youngest two are, are my boys. The girls remember um, that they' when we come to a game and come to the new ballpark and we drive past the old ballpark, yeah they even though they don't have a ton of specific memories, mm. they know that they spent a lot of their childhood there. Yeah. so <laughs> okay. uh, so they' they're a little bit emotionally tied to it and sad that that ballpark yeah. is no longer the home of the Texas Rangers yeah. um, but at the same time, they remember um, you know we rented the schoolhouse in Cleveland that had like this amazing basements. Obviously we don't have basements right. here in Texas, right? Uh, but it was like this ultimate play space where they <laughs> had just this wide open area. And obviously in, in April and May, it's still cold up in Cleveland. So they spent a lot yes. of time indoors. Uh, so just little random mm-hmm. things like that, okay. whether it be a, a place that we rented, whether it be a, a hotel that we went on the road and that we saw, or whether it be mm-hmm. a ballpark here and there, it's just kind of like a sprinkling of all these random memories. So you, you just told us you're coaching. Uh-huh. Do the players know? Hey, this is this is David Murphy. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, they. Their parents do. <laughs> my, my the players will tell me. Hey, I looked up. Uh, I looked up some of your highlights on YouTube, or I yeah. saw this and I saw that, or they know <laughs> that you know I got to play in, in two World Series, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never know what exactly they comprehend or what they they understand, but. Either way, that's not that's not what it's about. That it's, yeah. it's about me um, using what I've learned throughout the years to pass on wisdom and knowledge, uh, on and off the baseball field to them. Okay, um, so you are
1: around the baseball team enough, or observing them enough? This current team. What what are your thoughts so far?
2: The pieces are <clears throat> at least in place, or starting to be in place. There's mm. enough. Yeah, over the last few years, you've wondered what's our core? You know, what what are we centering? What are we focusing on? And obviously, Joey Gallo has always mm-hmm. been a name, um, although it's not like he can't be a middle-of-the-order piece, uh, but at times he's been inconsistent enough to yeah. where it's hard to say, like, this is our guy that we're going to build around. Uh, but now we're, we're starting to see it, and I think, you know, the conversations that I've had with so many people, and I think if you know baseball well enough, you know that championships seem to be built through the draft and through a youth movement, which right. has somewhat started. Now I feel like the, the process has been accelerated here because usually yeah. you wanna get your your Jack Leiters and your Josh Youngs up to the big leagues for a year or two and prove that they can compete and that they can produce at a high level at the major mm-hmm. leagues before you go spend on Simeon and Seeger. So it's almost like the Rangers have done it backwards a little bit But at the same time, you can also understand why they've done it in an age, in an era that we live in in Major League Baseball of tanking uh, or or, quote unquote tanking, whatever you want to say. You applaud ownership here in the front office for saying, hey, like we've got a new ballpark we want to win. So let's go ahead and spend now and then we'll have some leadership in place for when these young guys get there. So uh, so I applaud them for for going out there, spending the money. And, uh, you know, there's there's been inconsistent results so far, but you have to like we like Josh Smith. Perfect example. Like this guy may never be a a 30 home run guy, but he can play defense. He's a good base runner. He's got Mm -hmm. some speed and he has great at bats. Like that's the type of guy that I love seeing on a baseball field in some part of your lineup. He can fill a lot of different roles. Duran's been good so far. Um, you know, we'll see what happens when we get the the Cole wins and the Jack mm. Lighters and some of these young pitchers up here. Mm. Um, but you know, we're we're starting to to see a little bit of a turnaround, a shift, uh heading back in the right direction. Well, I mean you you came here as part of a, part of a rebuild. I mean, mm-hmm. in the summer of oh <laughs> seven,
1: your trade wasn't the big trade. Yeah, but it was a pretty significant part of what turned into World Series team. So I kind of you can you can kind of see parallels like i kind of look i'm thinking that right now this has an 08 feel to uh-huh. it you know i mean the, that team was different cuz they scored a ton of runs right. and had you know four all stars but it just kind of feels like maybe this is 08 next year would be 09 where you were 12 games above 500 and mm-hmm. then it happened but that's kind of that's kind of how i see it just trying to
2: draw on my history and i don't know I think there's been, you know, in pre- and post-game show and kind of a little bit um, on the in-game analysis type of stuff, we've done similar comparisons. Oh, okay. And uh, and I think Emily was one that, Emily Jones brought that up as well. So um, it's hard to compare teams ac- across eras, you yeah. know, and even though it was only, what, 14, 15 <laughs> right, years ago. Right. Um, and if you want to make, like, player comparisons, I mean, it's it's hard to compare. Even though, say, like a guy like Corey Seager, he could definitely hit 40 home runs and and have a year that supersedes anything that Michael Young did but Michael was just he was that core piece you know Mm -hmm. you could see Kinsler as a core piece Um, you know that Simeon once he gets rolling he's going to prove that he is a core piece I think maybe the the good comparison on both sides is the pitching side and I think you know when John Gray has been good I I love his stuff, and I think he's a guy that could definitely be uh, at the top of this rotation. Maybe ideally, he's not necessarily an ace, but a number two or a number three. But once again, we're talking about a lot of these young pitchers. They need a voice, and they need a guy that's been there, that's done that. So when they get called up to the major leagues, they can watch him go about his work and his routine. And right now, it seems like John Gray is that good example. Yeah, and you you did play with Martin Perez Mm -hmm. briefly. Um, what do you think? I
1: mean, this is out of nowhere.
2: (laughs) The first game that I covered this year was the game that was uh, against the Astros and what he went six perfect innings or so and then Chas McCormick hit a double in the right center field gap. So I I just think it's not, we live in a a day and age in Major League Baseball where you want to quantify everything. You want to look at the statistics and say, oh, well, Martin Perez back in his, early tenure with the Rangers his early years in the league he was doing x y and z and now he's doing x y and z this much better and I don't know if it's necessarily that for him I see it more when I see his uh competitive edge whether it's something simple like you know he would have so many of those games where he would go Five and a third innings. He would, you know, four of those innings would be good, but an inning of the third would be where he gave up the four runs and he would kind of just lose that focus for a minute. And it's not so much in the numbers, but it's in his temperament. It's in uh the interviews that he gives pregame, postgame, whatever. There's there's a more assertive side Hmm. to Martin Perez this year. Uh his body language is different. I don't know if he's just kind of gotten to the point in his career where he's like, I'm a veteran guy. Uh, i'm not gonna stress out the way that i did early in my career and I don't I, this is all assumptions yeah. I, I don't know his what his mindset <clears throat> was like early versus what it is now but there's something that seems different about him yeah. mentally <clears throat> that has translated to the physical side yeah.
1: well and <clears throat>
2: i was talking to Doug Mathis about him yesterday and
1: doug called him a pitchmaker and he's always he's always been able to get a double play but it just seems like it's it's so much more now, you know. It's mm-hmm. he can still get that, but like if he needs a strikeout, he can go get a strikeout. It just seems like he's a more complete pitcher, and but but the level head in this thing is
2: yeah. And and to add to that too, I mean, you can be the best mental player <laughs> in the world, but still not have the stuff to get people out. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's been like there's been an uptick in the stuff also at this age. He added that cutter, and the way that that thing moves late back door, it freezes a lot of hitters. And I think his sinker has been better. Like say. When he needs to throw a good two-o pitch, like he can use that sinker and maybe get a weak out or a ground ball, rather than be like, "All right, I'm two-o. I got to throw this thing right down the middle." <laughs> right. And then this uh-huh. ball's hit out of the ballpark or in the gap. And I think the the big uh, what what speaks to so much about his numbers is the low home run totals too. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean to go six innings without giving up a home run—that's yeah. phenomenal.
1: All right, so what's what's retirement been like,
2: man? uh early on probably as I, I would assume it would be the same situation with any player like it's kind of hard to find your place a little yeah. bit you know I, I grew up putting my eggs all in one basket and there was nothing that i ever wanted to do besides be a major league baseball player and mm-hmm. so uh on the good side i was able to achieve that goal live out my dream <laughs> for you know parts of 10 seasons but then on the flip side you know you're you're caught up in the middle of it and you don't want to think about what's next until you're done. And then, like on this side of it, it was like it was like the blink of an eye. Like yeah. my career just came and went just like that. And so, um, I was honestly, I was fortunate enough to really fall into the broadcasting and yeah. the way that worked out because, uh, you know. Uh, I had a I had a night in June I think it was 2016 right after I retired where uh, John Daniels and Thad Levine now with the Twins you know uh, they were they were together at the time in the front office and uh, they had me out and they kind of little had like a little ceremony on the on the field for me before the mm-hmm. game recognized me <clears throat> which uh, which was an honor as it was because yeah. I never saw myself as the type of player that would get that type of recognition and I so I mean I give that all to my teammates because that I attribute that to playing you know, around some pretty incredible players (laughs) and on the best teams Mm -hmm. in the history of this franchise. And so, uh, so I talked to, I had breakfast with, uh, with JD at some point and he's like, you know, good, good franchises have active alumni. Like, would you be interested in being part of this team in some way, shape or form, whether it's on the coaching side, whether it, you know, we just kind of walked through some Mm -hmm. scenarios and I'm like, well, coaching would be fun, but you know, that's still going to take me away from my family. That's yeah. not something that I'm prepared to do. Um, and so we, we talked to through, few through, uh, we talked through a few things. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Say that 10 <laughs> times fast. And, and kind of, we arrived at the, the thought of pre and post game. And so during the 2017 season, I want to say I did uh, 26 games and then I slowly gradually increased more mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that, that part is interesting because uh, nothing will ever be the same as being a player. Nothing yeah. will, I don't think anything will ever bring me that joy except for the, the closest thing is coaching youth baseball. I <laughs> absolutely love it. Okay. Um, but covering huh. Major League Baseball, um, it's still uh, going to the ballpark, especially being around Major League Baseball, it's still my happy place. So to be able to do that, to have flexibility, uh, they work with me so well in terms of being able to, to fluctuate my schedule to where I can coach baseball, I can be at my daughter's volleyball games, I can be, mm-hmm. you know, at dance recitals, those sort sure. of things. Um, so, so to be able to kind of check all those boxes <clears> and to fit everything into my schedule, uh, I'm I'm thankful. So that's kind of a, a general rundown of what retirement. Well, like. I I remember <clears throat> when you decided to retire
1: because there there'd been. You know, I, I don't know how serious it was, but mm-hmm. talking with the
2: Rangers, you end up signing with the Red Sox in spring training, and or the, was it the Red? I signed with the Red Sox, and then the Twins yeah, picked I, you up. I took uh, I took an out, you know, in my contract because <clears> I knew I wasn't going to make that team, and then something on was on the table with the Twins, and to be honest, I, I was gonna I was gonna get called up. Uh, they said, "Go spend ten days in AAA. Yeah. We'll call you up the the, fall, the day after." And um, after that ten days, you know, the the Twins were having a bad season. Um, I had got to a point in my career where I had four young kids, and yeah. that life this this lifestyle was becoming very difficult for my family, and so it just didn't add up. You know, yeah. I could have possibly continued my career in the right situation. You know, especially if it was here in Texas. Yeah, but it was in a place that it was in a place that was that I didn't want to move my family to you know the team was I, I would have been the oldest player on the twins oh wow uh, and you think, weren't that old yeah I, I was like 34 yeah. I think Irvin Santana would have been the next he, he okay. was the oldest at the time and so it just went and they were they started off zero and nine that's why they contacted me to begin with because I think Sanoa in the outfield Buxton was still young I'm trying to think uh Eddie Rosario sure. all those guys started had a rough start and so they said, uh-huh. we're, we're lacking veteran presence, and we need some, some outfield help. Do you want to come and join us? And so, yeah, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player still, but at yeah. the same time, it just wasn't worth it to take that situation, that scenario, and to continue to, to put my family in the situation that I was putting them in.
1: Yeah, you were in Rochester. Yes. So, and I, that's I, you were in a hotel. I
2: remember talking to you about it. The the first night I, they were on the road. The first night that I met them, they were in Buffalo, and so played a game in Buffalo, and then we took a bus ride to Lehigh Valley. It's like thirty five degrees outside, and <laughs> the bus went like an hour in the wrong direction before we rerouted. <laughs> and so, and this is the first time that I had been in the minor leagues in let's see, that was that was sixteen. So say nine years. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there on the bus. I'm like, what? What am I doing? Like, well. Why did I even come here to begin with? I should have just shut it down uh, and not even come here. Oh man! Well, I know everybody's glad you're around. I mean, it's you know
1: you still know some of the media guys. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're always always happy to see you. So I mean, I'm glad you're around, and um, I don't we don't you know we don't hear the games a lot. That's the only problem. Yeah. I mean, I have heard heard you watching from home. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. um, Yeah, but yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I know they they want you to do more, but hey family,
2: man. We'll see. Um, yeah, I'm always, I think I'm to the point where I'm never necessarily tied to one thing. If this Mm. is something that works and I continue to do it over the years, then, then I'm all for that. Um, you know, it's hard for me to imagine stepping outside of the baseball realm. Like I feel like, you know, my, my place will maybe in some way I'll always be, I I think coaching would be fun. I don't know if I'd ever do it at the professional level because of the travel level required. Um, I think it could be fun to do at the college level at some point, uh, maybe when my kids are grown. But at the same time, if you really think of everything that it entails, like that's that's a recruiting. lot of recruiting, and yeah, that's that's right. a lot of time on the road, also. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see where 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 life and and baseball uh, goes. Well, your, your, your Baylor Bears is hiring a new coach. I know. Talked to him yesterday. He was the assistant coach uh, when I was there, and okay. uh, he was he was a recruiting coordinator, so he recruited me. So I've had a little bit of communication with him, and uh, I think. Uh, Future of Baylor baseball is bright I'm happy for him all right well the future the past of Baylor baseball. John John wants
1: to hop into that real quick. Yeah, okay.
0: you, you, he, he talks the, the current stuff. I, I like to go back and have fun. Right. So this is all about... Okay, so you're born and raised in Houston, Texas. You went to Klein High School. Yes. Did you play anything else besides baseball when you were growing up?
2: I played a little bit of basketball. I get made... Like, when I got to the minor leagues and people, you know, didn't necessarily know my background except they knew that I was from Texas, Right. I, I got made fun of all the time that I never played football. <laughs> but my parents are both originally from Michigan. Right. So... They didn't, I, I don't think they got caught up in the Texas football hoopla. Right. Um, so we would go, I mean, we'd go to f- games on Friday nights. I mean, my, my sisters, one of them in particular was in the drill team. So we would go support her. We'd go watch the football game, go see her dance at halftime. And so loved the, loved the, the football experience uh, of Texas high school football. Um, but I just never, I never really enjoyed it. I could throw well enough in middle school, like when we would play in PE. That sort of that uh, they they would try to get me to play football in seventh and eighth grade, but I just told them I just don't want to. Yeah. And so loved basketball. Played that uh, starting in second grade, uh, and then quit. You know, as a ninth grader, I was kind of like freshman year when when everybody was starting to really get big and, and good at basketball. I was either like the worst player on the A team, or I would start and be pretty good on the B team, but. I knew that didn't really amount to a future in basketball. <laughs> so after yeah. after my freshman year, I said, "Let's let's just focus on baseball," and uh, that was really about it.
0: So not not many people know this. Everyone knows he was drafted by the by the Red Sox um, out of college, but you were actually drafted in the fiftieth round uh-huh. by 50th? the Angels. Yes. Yeah, oh, crap. the fiftieth round. How, now I, I've always wanted to know this because we're going to ask you about the Red Sox draft. Uh-huh. How did you find out you'd been drafted by the Angels?
2: So I, I uh, hit it off. With um with their area scout and they had talked about taking me as high as like say like the sixth or seventh round, but coming out of high school I was like 175 pounds and I went to like uh, the one that sticks out the most. I went to College Station and did like a pre-draft combine type of thing if you want to say with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Right. And it was funny because they even like they singled me out and Michael Bourne was another guy that was sure. there played in the big leagues for a while. So the two of us were there. And of all these players, like they let us take like extra rounds of batting practice. And they just wanted to see if I could hit a ball out of this high school field. It was AM consolidated, and I just couldn't do it. So I was 175 <laughs> pounds, swinging with a wood bat. And so I, I think I knew that I needed some seasoning. I needed to go be a part of a good strength and conditioning yeah. program, and I felt like college was the best way to go there. So got drafted in the 50th round. I was actually at like a summer game, summer high school game for my select team, club team, whatever you want to call it. My dad was coaching first base at the time, and I see him pull out a cell phone when he's coaching first base, and he goes, congratulations, you just got drafted in it <laughs> by, the, by the Angels in the 50th round. And so it was funny because we had talked uh, you know, over the years when I you know, was at Baylor, and he's like, you're going to go 50th round to first round. I'm like, stop, Dad. You know? <laughs> sure enough, I went 50th to first round in three years.
0: <laughs> okay, so you go to Baylor. Uh, so, obviously, I mean, you were drafted out of high school. You go to Baylor. You go to a D1 school. Any other schools you considered besides Baylor?
2: I loved, for for no particular reason, uh, my, my one of my older sisters went to Texas A&M. And okay. so, just spending time on campus there, going to some football uh-huh. games, I loved uh-huh. the environment. So, I was, I was a big Aggie fan, and that was kind of like my school. That's where uh-huh. I wanted to play baseball. Uh, but then, <laughs> as much as the rivalry is between A&M and Texas – I get my first recruiting letter from Texas, so yes. I like, all right, so I go from hating the longhorns to like I could see myself <laughs> being a longhorn. <laughs> uh, but those the, the main four were uh, were Baylor, and it was I, I honestly did not want to go to Baylor. Um, and we could talk about that more in a minute. I wanted to go to a and the facilities and just the accommodations and everything at Texas like blew me away sure. and, and yeah. the football games that I went to there were great so I was really turned on by what might be in the future if I went there um, and then Rice which as good of a program as they had at the time I knew that I wanted more of a college experience and I wanted to go to a school that was more than 45 minutes away sure. from, from my parents get out house. Of the house exactly yeah, yeah. So I kind of crossed them off the list. Houston was a little bit of a conversation. I had grown up doing uh, some pitching lessons with Coach Raynor Noble, who was there yeah. at the time. <laughs> but uh, you know, Rice was the better school. I figured if I was going to stay in Houston, I was going to go to Rice. But I pretty much crossed those two off. A and M. When I went on my visit and the way that they kind of recruited, um, they offered you kind of a small scholarship and kind of maybe. They banked on the guys that were going to bleed maroon and really want to go to the school. And they would offer you maybe like a 25, 30% scholarship at the time. And based on performance, how well you did, they would bump that up, which logically thinking, it's understandable. But if you're competing against better offers, like it's going to be hard to say, well, you got 25, 30% at this school, or you have an 80, 85% scholarship offer over at this school, who are you going to pick? Absolutely. Um, So Baylor came in with a good offer. And so that, you know, just said, hey, we really want you. They were aggressive. Um, and then the situation with Texas, like, as I said, it probably came down to Baylor and Texas and Texas was really attractive. But uh, I, the Baylor coaching staff won me over. I would say every coaching staff said you're going to come in here and you're going to have a chance to compete, to play as a freshman and start a lot. And as much as I knew that that was a sales pitch from all mm-hmm. these schools, I trusted it way more from the coaches at Baylor, hmm. and, uh, and not to mention, by the time I was ready to make a commitment, Texas already had the number one recruiting class in the country, so okay. yeah, that might translate to a national championship, but that also might, you know, I, I fully knew that even though I had confidence in myself as a player, I could go in as a freshman and I might stumble a little bit and college pitching could be a little bit more difficult yeah. and I might not be the type of hitter that I thought I was in college. Right. And that might, that might take away playing time. And so I didn't want to have to go compete. I wanted to go to a place where I had the best you know, road to, to a lot of playing time. Mm.
0: Understandable. <laughs> so you go to Baylor. Now, so you get drafted by the Red Sox, 17th overall from the Red Sox. Mm. Now, this is different than 50th round. Right. How do you find out this?
2: So we had just completed uh, a regional tournament, and I was a Baylor. And so the regional tournament was over on Sunday. I think the draft was on Tuesday. And so I spent all Monday or a lot, a lot of Monday talking to my advisor, um, you know, eventually my agent, but you're not allowed to have yeah, a, a right. quote unquote right. agent. So exactly. I hadn't signed any papers or anything like that. And so um, so he said, here's, here's what I've come up with. From who I've talked to and what I know you're going to go as high as 17th. You're going to go as low as 31st. I don't remember who had 31st in the, in the supplemental first round. Um, he said, I think Boston is, is a great place to go. It would be a good opportunity for you. Um, obviously any, I mean, you know, those, those sure. big markets, I mean, you're, yeah. if you got an advisor, he, he's obviously <coughs> going to tell you <laughs> yeah. if let's, let's go to one of these big market teams. And so um, we had talked back and forth and uh about you know numbers and you know quote you know pre-draft deal whatever you want to say sure, what, it what, would take, yeah. what 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 would you agree upon and so nothing was so solid and sit you know in stone yet and then i i want to say like an hour or two before the draft the indians called because they had 18 right after 17 but they also had 11 and i think because they had those two picks they were trying to budget a little bit yeah. more and so they said we'll consider taking you at 11, but we would ask that you would take, you know, lower than slot money, and that lower than slot would have been higher than I got at 17. But I think by that time, you know, we had gone through the pros and cons of Boston so much, and uh, that that I was kind of tied to the idea of going to Boston already, yeah. and so we we said thanks but no thanks. And uh and Boston ended up being the pick. So Man. uh so Were that you was, watching
0: it on TV or so
2: they didn't have anything on TV at the time. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm you know, dating yeah, the, myself. Dark the dark, a the bit. dark ages. <laughs> yeah. So so we went to um there was a a restaurant in the the Hilton Hotel in Waco. And uh and so we went there. It was kind of like a sports bar type environment. They had You know, they had a bunch of games up on the big screens and so my family had driven into town Uh, My wife who was my girlfriend at the time was there one of my best friends and uh, so we my dad had his phone on speaker And my agent um, Advisor, I guess I had to call him still at the time (laughs) He had his phone to his computer speaker Which is basically the only way that you can listen to it live at the time and so he was kind of relaying us the feed and sure enough, it comes around to seventeen, and uh, you know my my name is called, and you know we kind of just went into celebration for a little while. So you bud, you, bud ceiling.
0: Yep, <laughs> awesome that's right. That's it. You you'd Murphy. Yeah, you. And you just discussed it a little bit, but so you said Cleveland. On um, any other teams that you actually thought might maybe you'd had some discussions with?
2: No, I mean I you know leading up to the draft, you talk with all these area scouts, sure. and you fill yeah. out this you know if you fill out paperwork on you know, basic information and injury history and things like that. So, And I had had sit-down interviews. And, and you know, to credit Coach Smith at the time, who was at Baylor, he told all these area scouts, we're not going to do any of this stuff during the spring season leading up to the draft when the season's going on. So all of these guys had to sit down with me in the fall per Coach Smith. And so oh, okay. we had all these interviews, and I, I don't even remember all, all of these guys <laughs> that I talked to, but it was a significant amount.
0: Okay, Rangers or, were part of it too, I guess. Rangers were one of yeah. Okay.
2: Well, right, right now they're they're holding the, the draft combine in
0: mm-hmm. San
1: Diego, and C- Chris Young was talking about it the other day, and he, s- he said it's like speed dating, yeah. just players just rotate <laughs> yeah. and talk to every team, or mm-hmm. it's just.
0: I have no idea what that's like. I didn't speed date. I didn't either. I never but dated good I've, seen, I've seen Saturday Night Live skits playing ball. <laughs> Anything like that. So, I mean, I never got recruited like that. Okay, so you make your major league debut with the Red Sox, by the way. Mm. Um, September 22nd, 2006. Okay, this is one of my favorite questions. How do you find out you're going to the big leagues?
2: I actually expected it. Um, let's see. So, we, I was in AAA at the time, and I was kind of starting to get hungry for it a little bit. A lot of my teammates had started to go up. A lot of guys that I'd played with against the minor leagues – uh, in the minor leagues, mm. they were starting to go up on other teams, and then uh, say about August twentieth or so, Dustin Pedroia was my roommate on a road trip in Ottawa. Okay, <laughs> and he, and he got the call, and so he left, and I'm like seeing this happen right in front of my eyes, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm ten days away till rosters expand on September first, and at the time Trot Nixon had been hurt as well in the Boston outfield, and I don't know I. The Red Sox had fallen off in the second half, so I don't know that there was much expectation. Um, I, I want to say we finished the year in third place behind New York and Toronto, so I think there wasn't as much expectation to go to the playoffs, which helped only as a younger player yeah, sure. to, to get up there and get some time. Right. And so, uh, sure enough, August 31st, uh, finish up a game, and I'm, I am I kind of like take my time, and I wait around in the clubhouse, and <laughs> nothing happens, so I'm just like, I'm just I'm going to go home, you know, yeah. like I didn't feel like discouraged or anything like that. I still felt optimistic, but I'm like, if they're not going to figure this out, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to wait for a phone call. So uh, my wife's driving. We got like 10 minutes down the road and I got the phone call. Come get your stuff. You're going to Boston tomorrow. Nice. Um, and so that was, that was September 1st. I got to sit and watch my first game. Tito Francona called me in the office and said, um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to play a ton. We'll get you some starts. Um, but keep your eyes and ears hope open, and learn from these veteran players. And yeah. so that was really my month of September. Started the first game on September 2nd, um, and, and fortunately got to start three out of four games of – we had a day-night doubleheader consecutive days at Yankee Stadium. You know, oh, wow. We, by that time, like I said, we were kind of out of the yeah. race, and veteran players don't like playing a lot in doubleheaders. So <laughs> that, that opened the door for me there.
1: You were number 60, right? Yep. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> okay. Now this is another fun one because you're part of a trade. Uh huh. Okay. So you get traded, Eric Gagne. Everyone knows the trade that brought David over for for Eric Gagne, 2007. How do you find out you get traded?
2: All right. So same thing. Like when you're when you're keeping up with these things, like there there's an anticipation. You know, if you if you know the game well enough. And first of all, I'll I'll rewind it back to a, as far back as 2005. And I'm like, you know what? Like I'm kind of putting the pieces in place here like I was a center fielder in the minor leagues okay but I also didn't know for sure that I was going to be a center fielder in the big leagues so I'm like all right Manny Ramirez eight years 160 in yeah. left field <laughs> right they signed Coco Crisp uh I want to say that was 2006 um and then they eventually in 2007 they had Trot Nixon and then they eventually signed JD Drew to like an 80 million dollar deal so I'm like the writing's on the wall here, and the way that you know Major League Baseball was different then. Like now, yeah. if you're a young player and you show any type of success at the minor league level, you know they're like, "Oh, you're cheap. Let's see if you can succeed for our organization, and if not, then we'll find somebody else." Yeah. But back then, it was like, "We're going to make you earn your way to the big leagues. Right. right. Uh, so you're going to have to put up some monster numbers, or you know, be. A, I was a high draft pick, but at the same time, like the way that Boston and that I guess that's the negative of being drafted by. An organization like Boston like you can't just go up there and mess around for a little bit like every game You're always playing for the playoffs. You're always playing for today. Yeah. You're, ne- you're never playing for next year So it's like eh, can we can we uh-huh. throw this young guy in there and see what he's made of especially If I'm gonna play left or right field and I'm supposed to carry a big bat and never put up huge power numbers in the minor leagues uh-huh. and so um, So it was, it was the the deadline was approaching I, I wanted to get traded in 2006 7 seven, uh, we're on a road trip in Columbus, Ohio, and and to make to make it even more fun, my wife is getting close to giving birth to our first baby, like any day. Okay, and so um, so I'm at I'm at the hotel, Brandon Moss, who I ended up being a teammate with in in Cleveland, and he he was my best friend throughout the minor leagues. We're roommates in Columbus. And we're talking about this trade situation. I'm honestly like getting ready to take a little nap on the couch, uh-huh. getting ready to go to the ballpark. And so Peter, came, uh, there was no MLB network at the yeah, time. Yeah. So Peter Gamons comes on, on ESPN and uh, he's like breaking news, you know. And, and my agent had been in town the night before. He's like, how cool would it be? Because I know Texas is going to get rid of Gagne. How cool would it be if you go to the Rangers for huh. Gagne? So it, it's not like it was like a complete surprise. It had been on my radar. So I'm laying down. And Peter Gammons talks about Gagne, and he says my name on on ESPN. I'm like, you know, like I'm I'm about to fall asleep, and I shot yeah. up. <laughs> so like, That's great. so I call my wife. Like my my head's starting to spin. My hearts my heart's pounding. So I go to the field. You know, I, I have all this nervous energy. So I want to go hit in the batting cage. But my hitting coach is like, hey, it, it, you know, it, they have to be like, yeah. you know, they can't they can't give you any details. So they're like, you, right now you can't hit. Yeah. And it's, you know, like it's a physical thing. They don't want you getting hurt. You right. know, anything to happen between and then trade. Yeah. So you just like, just so you know, you can't hit. So I know something's going on. End up finding out a few hours later, you know, before the game starts, that the deal's done. I'm going to Texas. I'm ecstatic. Uh, I talked to Scott Service on the yeah. phone at the time. <clears> and uh, he's like, we want to ship you out tomorrow. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. My wife is, and at the time, I think, this was uh, this was July first, or ju- excuse me, July thirty first, and my wife was set to be induced on August fourth with with our first child. Now, is she
0: back in Texas at the she, time? No,
2: she's back in Rhode Island. In Rhode oh, Island, yeah, okay. yeah Pawtucket. Pawtucket, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, um, so they're like, "All right, why don't you hang out an extra week in Rhode Island, and then we'll, you'll meet the team in uh, in Sacramento." So that's what we did. Get traded. My head is obviously in a lot of different places. Right. So I become a dad for the first time, <laughs> uh, and she, and she actually goes into to labor uh, on August third, so oh, a day I'm, early. Okay. And then I hang out in the hospital for three days. We go back to Rhode Island, and then I fly cross country to um to meet the team in Sacramento. <laughs> Meanwhile, my wife, being a first time mom, yeah, has to pack up our whole apartment <laughs> and and drive yeah. to Texas with with her mom and her sister. Oh my so gosh. pretty crazy. Uh, um, a, a week that we will never forget. So I go I go to Sacramento. I play the first day since I hadn't played in a week. Yeah. I get the day off and then uh and then they played me the next two days, one night game, one day game. And so I kind of just hang out lots of new teammates that I don't know. Yeah. And then I get a phone call that night from Bobby Jones. He's like, "Hey, uh, team's flying out tomorrow but you're going to the big leagues. <laughs> and had Jerry Harrison had a had a back issue. Okay. So I get called up to to replace him. So talk about a whirlwind like 7 to 10 days yeah. right there. Did Bobby Jones say that without cursing? Uh yes. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think he did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Okay, so before I ever started covering the team, I started covering them 4 years ago. I was a I grew up a Ranger fan. Grew up in the area, big Ranger fan, been going to games since 72. My wife and I had season tickets. We were at the World Series every game.
2: Uh-huh.
0: How You were played in two World Series. How loud was it? I mean, how were the fans during that? I, we would never seen anything like that. I want to know from player's perspective. What was it like? Were we that loud as we thought yeah, we were? it was cool. I mean, when,
2: when big plays and big things happened, I mean— you're not kidding how you know the players they feed off the energy of the crowd and, and how big of a role that the crowd plays and even it was funny because being at the game yesterday with with my daughter and I don't even know what the the announced attendance was I it was know like that, 24 okay and the uh. night before it was like 30 yeah and so yeah. I was telling her I was just like we used to have like 50 55,000 people across the street and when we were playing well we would you know we would sell out or close to sell out you know almost every night yep and I was like imagine what type of energy would have, you know, and she yeah. was kind of just thinking through that. And I was even kind of reminding myself of, of that because I, I feel like I haven't been in that type of environment at a baseball stadium in, in a while. And so um, those were, if anything, you've got to learn to like temper your energy level, you know, because the first time I was introduced to the mm-hmm. postseason, it's like you want to play baseball with a football type of mentality and you just can't do that because baseball is that – 162 games most of the time you're playing you're exhausted and something hurts um, and you got to learn how to like play at this level but when the crowd is getting you that pumped up it's hard to not tense up and for your effort level to go through the roof
0: well your your two best series in playoff baseball Whereas against the Yankees and the ALCS, you mm. hit your only playoff home run mm-hmm. against the Yankees and the ALCS. Who did it against? Nine, uh,
2: Phil Hughes. Oh, okay. Phil
0: Hughes. Okay, you had a 950 OPS in that. And then you come back the next year against Detroit. Mm-hmm. You hit 412 against mm-hmm. Detroit, the other AL, ALCS to go to the World Series. So, obviously, you just wanted to get to World Series and you were going to carry them <laughs> if you needed to. 1.147 OPS in that That'll one. Work. Was there any other special postseason moments that involved you in those two seasons that you can think of. Because uh, that had to be special to be that good in those big series. Anything else special that you, that you can think of that you remember?
2: I just remember getting my first postseason hit and wanting to get out there. You know, I actually, I strained my groin like three or four days before the regular season ended in 2010. And I was like so scared Uh-oh. that I was not going to be able to play because I had a good month of September. Yeah. And so, fortunately, I was able to, to get back. I didn't start the first two games of the Tampa series. I started the first game back at home. And – uh Got a hit in my first at bat against uh, against Matt Garza, um, but I would say nothing really in, in that series versus Tampa, and then not really anybody on the team did anything against the World Series against the Giants. the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Tampa series the following year in 2011 that was a quick one. I mean Adrian and his three home runs are, yeah. are the standout there. Yeah. Hit one off of Matt Moore. Yeah, Matt yep. or, or he, or, yeah. Um, I, I would say maybe a cool one, which I mean it, it's plot. It wasn't a routine play. I made a diving catch against the Cardinals in uh one of the home games. I forgot which game it was exactly, but that's probably a standout uh in the World Series in eleven. Um but I had also I had made an error earlier in that inning. You know, that the ball kind of snakes in the outfield a little bit. Yeah, and, that, and I kind of I went to go get the zig when it zagged at the <laughs> at the last second. So the ball got by me. There was a run that scored on that. I think it might even have been the same inning that I feel like I had to make mend. So I went and I laid out and I made a catch, and that was it was pretty cool to to make a catch like that in that environment.
0: I can't imagine. Okay, so this one's a fun one too. Now David pitched 1.1 innings in the big leagues. <laughs> he has a 0.0 ERA. Wow. That's not my question. You did strike out someone. Yeah. Who'd you strike out?
2: Mike Carp. And i I always <laughs> I knew me- you were going to know who it was. so I always messed around, uh, and Mike Maddox knew this. like I always threw a knuckleball like when when we warmed up. And so there was a time.
0: did you pitch in college or high school? I
2: pitched in high school and I was supposed to try to pitch in college. I actually, that's what everybody thought where my future was going to be. But I actually broke my arm throwing a pitch as a junior oh, junior in high school. Oh, wow. And so that kind of paved the way for okay. for me to be a hitter. And so um, but anyway, I always messed around with the knuckleball. I remember it was a game in 2011, and we were getting crushed by the Mets. And I didn't, I wasn't playing that day. And so Mike Maddox was like, "You want to go showcase that knuckleball?" And it didn't end up happening. <laughs> but I knew at that point, like this might be something that happens someday. So it, it happened. It was the first day. You know, every major league team has a few stretches during the year where they're going to play 20 straight with no off days in a three week span. Right. And I don't even know if they still do that. But that was, you know, when I when I was playing. And so, um, and so, sure enough, this is the first day of a 20-20, and 20, and we're just getting lit up early on. And the Red Sox scored in every single inning. So I go pitch the bottom of the eighth, and I didn't give up a run. Daniel Nava took me to 10 pitches. He was the first hitter that I faced. <laughs> foul, foul, foul. I'm like, just put it in play. <laughs> he ends up hitting a double down the line. And uh, I don't remember all the hitters. I think I got a line out from like uh, – Jose Iglesias um I'm trying to think of what the other out was and then I got David Ortiz to fly out to right to oh, end man. that inning <laughs> but the funny thing because you say the ERA is zero so I came in two years later um in Cleveland and we we're playing the Cubs in interleague and sure it so Ryan Rayburn another position player came in before me oh, his, my. his elbow started bothering him so I so I come in, I come in from left field and I'm I'm like smirking on the way in. So the first hitter that I face, bases loaded, two outs. The first hitter that I face is David Ross. Right down the middle, pop up right behind short. So, Francisco Lindor is like two weeks into his major league career. Micah Vilas is playing center, and that's not typical, uh, you know, a typical spot for him. Right. They miscommunicate, and the ball drops. I could have had one out on one pitch. (laughs) Yeah. So the ball drops. They call it an error, which, I mean, it should have been a hit. I don't know. I mean, nobody touched it. Right. But anyway, a few batters later, Chris Bryant hit his first career grand slam off of me. Is that right? <laughs> oh yeah. So even though the ERA is zero, there was plenty of unearthed. plenty of hard contact.
0: <laughs> and so, tell me about striking out Carp. What? So you, you, you had It was out. it was a
2: knuckleball. I don't even remember how I got him to two strikes. Um, <laughs> but but it couple. was a, but it was a knuckleball, and it was at the top of the zone. The funny part about it is they were up say twelve or thirteen runs. Yeah, he got tossed. Really? You got thrown out of a game that was a, you know, 12-13 run difference arguing a knuckleball from a position player at oh, the that's top of the good. zone. Yeah. He's embarrassed.
0: Yep. Oh, uh, now no is, to your knuckleball. We got no. two more questions we're going to have. These are some I, I do this with all the minor leaguers, major okay. players, but so, so I'm a guy, I played baseball all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. Um wasn't good enough to go anywhere, else. I hit one ball over a fence my whole life. Okay. In my junior year of high school, yeah. I obviously remember this home run. Uh-huh. So I call this the home run game. I going to talk about three home runs you've hit. First one. Very first time you ever hit a ball over a fence. Uh-huh. How old were you and where was it? I
2: was 10 years old. Uh so uh, if forgive me so I like I'm I have i me- I memorized things like this so. right so i'm gonna tell you it was june 20th
0: <laughs> oh my gosh 19- that's my wedding anniversary <laughs> 1992 okay that's my All right. birthday.
2: and right. i and i hit a ball uh i hit a ball to dead center you know i i'd come close a few times and i and i knew i knew i was i was getting close but yeah that was that was my first one dead center field it was a day game hot in, in spring texas northwest houston right
0: that was the first one okay so Next one, most memorable. Maybe it's the World Series home run. Uh, was there a walk-off you ever hit? Maybe in the minor leagues, high school, college. What's one of the ones that you – know, there may be a couple of them, you can yeah. name, that were just like big moment, big, you'll never forget home runs. But we're going to have the date. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have the date. What was the pitch? And what? I,
2: I don't know that I um, – uh-huh. you know, the two – I guess if you want to talk about like clutch homers that I hit, I never hit a walk-off homer at the major league level. Um, I hit one in the minor leagues. That was a fun one. Uh, the ones that are going to stand out in the major leagues, I hit two for the Indians, where we were down two in the ninth. And and I hit two two-run homers um, to to tie up those games, and we ended up winning both of them. All right. One was off of Joe Nathan, mm.
0: uh,
2: and then the other was off of Nestali Feliz against the Rangers. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, We ended up winning both of those games. And then I'd say besides that, like, you know, the homers off of say like i hit a homer off John Smoltz even though he was with the Red Sox it wasn't like Braves John Smoltz you know toward yeah. the end of yeah. his career i hit one off of Andy Pettit um so you, you remember the ones that you hit off of like quality arms you hit 4 against Felix Hernandez okay yeah <laughs> yeah and you also hit 4 against
1: Doug Fister but that's your career high uh-huh. and and i i had yeah, somebody yeah. look this up for me yep. before the show 287 against Felix uh-huh your most career hits against any pitcher were against Felix same mm-hmm. with doubles homers and RBIs the 20 RBI or the most he's ever allowed tied for the most he's ever allowed to a player in his career tied with Trout
2: Mike Trout yeah. your former your former teammate <laughs> yep. so i mean there's some Felix stuff there there were some good ones the funny one the funny thing is i think yeah all four of them were like like wall scrapers <laughs> and uh, and i think i told the story one time so i hit my second career homer off Felix and then I hit my second-to-last career oh, homer right. off of Felix. That second-to-last one, I woke up feeling terrible uh, that day. And so I go to the ballpark. I didn't even take batting practice. I'm, like, laying down in the training room the whole time. I'm like, something's up. Like, I- I'm not myself. Yeah. And I'm leading off. Like, I- this is, like, the last <laughs> month of my career. I'm not very fast anymore. And I'm playing for the Angels. Mike Socha leads me off. I hit a homer my second at bat. It was a three-run homer. It skips off the top of the fence. I round the bases. I give my high fives, I immediately go right behind the dugout, and I throw up all over the place. <laughs>
0: that, rem- okay.
2: that, that reminds me,
1: the, the day after you guys clinched the West in 10, yeah. you know what that's like, the clinching. Mm-hmm. The next day, 90% of the guys were hammered, hungover. <laughs> Jeff Francoeur had to play that game mm-hmm. as the DH. Walsh said, hey, I need a DH. He hits a three run homer, goes around the bases, comes in, goes up to the clubhouse, which is not a short run. And yeah, yeah I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
2: He got
0: sick, too. Thank you for informing me. <laughs> yeah, I had no welcome. idea. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: the last home run is the bomb. The one that you barreled, the farthest you've hit. Who was mm-hmm. it against, and how far do you think it went? Is there one that stands out where you're like. There's,
2: oh. there's two that stand out in the major leagues. Uh, one was off of A.J. Burnett, it was actually a big game because uh, we were down one, say, in the fifth or sixth, and it was a two-run homer to give us the lead. A-Rod ended up hitting a homer in the eighth to tie it up, and then I hit a walk-off single off Mariano Rivera late in that game. Oh, I remember that. Okay. Um, so, so that would have been 08. So that one was, like, yeah. above the bullpen maybe at the old ballpark and off the facade of the upper deck. Okay. Um, so that was one of the better ones. I don't remember what the distance was. And then I got uh, I got a slider down and in uh, against a guy named Vin Mazzaro of the A's, and I hit it like Joey Gallo hit a ball a few years ago, like off the popcorn cart down the line. Yeah, Yeah. and so it was like that same general area. Okay, so those are the two. uh, I would say those were the two memorable ones. Oh, you threaded the needle Uh,
0: because there was that. Yeah,
2: or or there's another one, uh, but it was a spring training homer. And I forget that it was my first spring training with the Rangers, and it okay. was a lefty that dropped down, and I hit a ball out of the stadium in surprise, like to, to right field. It's you not it, like hit it onto Bullard. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I no idea how far that would have been, but I remember just wow. I remember the feeling of hitting that one and knowing right off the bat that that ball is gone, and that one had some good distance cool. on it.
0: It's a crazy feeling. I hit one, like I said, you, you don't even feel it when you actually barrel one. And it's the only thing I've ever hit like that. And I, I remember I actually observed because I couldn't believe what I'd just done. Anyway, okay, last thing. Now, this is a fun one we do. It's what's something nobody knows about you. Let me give you some examples. We oh. asked this to minor leaguers, big leaguers J.D., John okay. Daniel. Okay. It's what's something that nobody knows about you. John Daniels has airplane underwear. Okay. <laughs> he, he has underwear he wears to and from wherever he travels because his wife packs it. That's his airplane underwear. Jack yeah. Leiter hates peanut butter. Okay. Uh, what's some of the other ones we got? Uh,
1: D- Dave Raymond makes uh, Elderberry Jam. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, the, stuff like
0: that. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, uh, Davis Wenzel had his finger cut off when he was a kid. Oh, Brock Burke is the one. I'm the one that discovered Brock Burke was a sleepwalker. Okay. Which is originally, crazy. if you've ever heard that story yes, about him. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm yes. the one that actually discovered that, and I gave that to the guy who ended up writing the story because I was like, this is a wild thing. So what is something nobody knows about David Murphy?
2: Oh, my goodness. I don't know if there's, I feel like I'm just not that interesting. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I'm too by the book. Um, I hate seafood. Um, for, for somebody who loves food, I feel like people, like I talk about food a lot, how much Mm -hmm. I love it. I don't like seafood. Um, for somebody who I, I feel like, you know, throughout the course of my Rangers career, um, you know, everybody knew me, but like I, I put my faith out there, you know, everybody knew that, that my faith was important to sure. me. Uh-huh. So I think people, and I, I think I said this on an interview with Ben and skin one time, but I would say like dating back to high school before, you know, my faith was important to me. Um, I, uh, I was a rap fiend. Oh yeah. my God. I was a rap fiend. So Is that right? yeah, no, I don't listen to it anymore. Cause just huh. the, the lyrics don't really <laughs> add up with, you know, with, uh, you know, yeah my christianity and just my walk with jesus but uh but yeah i think that that would probably be a funny one that most people were like man i can't imagine david could, murphy and could you riff no i was terrible <laughs> so one one of my best friends so josh barfield K- uh, he played he was jesse's son he played in the big leagues for a little bit yeah. he's the farm director for the, for the diamondbacks now yeah and uh and so we we would go through a list of things at our at our baseball banquet um, at the end of every year in high school and so, uh, so you, you got to write things about your teammates and he wrote I I didn't find out it was him till the, the end. Um, but it was like things, things that, you know, Murph's teammates said about him. And one of them, like he is the worst rapper. <laughs> so it's something that maybe I enjoyed. It was, it was a hobby. I liked the music, but when I actually, even though I wasn't afraid to like recite lyrics, but I wasn't very good at it. He, he also, I remember this in Seattle. Kings of Comedy was on
1: and you did a good Bernie Mac in person. Okay. Said,
2: yeah.
1: anyway, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna make you do it, but no, I don't even
2: remember what that was.
0: Well I called my I told my brother who's a big range friend. I said, Hey David's coming on with us and he said, Ask him if he still eats the did you eat a triple triple or something from he, he was saying he heard you uh, on the radio from like uh In and Out. Oh uh,
2: okay. So that yeah, so one time um it was kind of a thing when we would go play over in Peoria cuz that would be the main In-N-Out Burger Seattle, it, yeah. And, yeah. Seattle okay, so we would go play, yeah San Diego or Seattle and I went with uh with Kinsler and and Michael and maybe Frank Catalanato, I forgot who else was there I feel like there was a fourth but I ate after that game and it, keep in mind that spring training would always be like my biggest time of year to eat just mm-hmm. because you know you're fresh off your off-season workouts and you're you're on the move so much and you're doing so you're burning calories like crazy. So I was a crazy eater in spring training. So I ate two double doubles, two fries and a milkshake. And they like, (laughs) I I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but they, (laughs) they talked about it for like, you know, for years to come after that, like (laughs) talking about my appetite. I'm like, it's just what I do.
0: (laughs) And I guess you had said it. You must have been on one of the radio shows or something. He heard you talking about Could you still eat two double doubles and two fries? I
2: could force it down. Like I still would consider myself as somebody with a bigger appetite. um, But at the same time, like I I try to, I try to, you know, yeah, I I try to stay within proper means because it's, it's not the same as 40 as it was at 25. And when you're playing every day. That's right. I'm,
1: I, I, say, I say it every show. I yeah. say it every
2: show. Baseball players eat so much. Yeah. Oh, they
0: do. Oh my God! there's food just
2: so readily I, available. I would eat like I couldn't. Anytime I came back in the in the clubhouse, I could not like not eat. Like yeah. I'd always walk through the kitchen and grab something. You know, I, I, and I think it was out of fear a little bit. I was afraid that if I, you know, the the more I lost weight, yeah. that I wasn't going to be able to hit the ball as far. And I think that's actually a fallacy. You just learning more <sighs> about nutrition and the way the body works, you yeah. know, post career. All right. <laughs> all right.
0: Anything else for us? No, I
2: think we're good here.
0: Oh man, this has been a great time. Dave, we can't yeah. thank you enough for coming on. Oh, I fun. had like a thousand questions. I didn't want to keep you all day. We'll have to get you come back. We'll, we'll get into different stuff. We'll talk food next time. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a lot of fun doing it. We're going to see you out at the ballpark anyway. I see you out there all the time. Guys, David Murphy, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go down in the bus leagues in just a little bit. Dave, thanks a lot.
2: Enjoy the guys. All right. All right. Thanks. thanks
0: for coming on. All right, thank you to David Murphy for coming up here in studio and joining us. We do need to go down in the bus league, yep. talk about the minor league system, where they're at right now. Let's start out at low A down east. They're 28-31, and 5-5 five and five in the last 10. They have lost a game. Tioto, that's the guy that I'm fired <laughs> up about. I, I mean, we've been on him. You pointed him out to me when we were in spring and spring training. Uh, we went there yeah. for the minor league stuff. Man, that to go along with a high 90s fastball, that little breaking ball he's throwing, that slider is just biting. He looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think we have video of them on. I think uh, I got the, some of them. The, yeah, on the, the YouTube Texas, channel, Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast YouTube channel, uh, YouTube channel, which you got to subscribe to Absolutely, by the way. By the way, good lord, you know we're we're uh, we're 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 slowly building uh, our watch hours. Our, our these podcasts are getting great, great I, views. Thank so if you. You're, if by if you're, the yeah, way. yeah, thank you. So if you're watching it, boom, hit hit the subscribe button. It's right to, it's right down here somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, it's over
0: here in the corner. It's. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: So uh but to your point, Te- Teodo, um yeah, you know, a lot of guys high on him in the system for obvious reasons. Um he, he's young, he he needs to grow. Yeah. Um but you very know, thin, what, yeah. It's just uh, what what, what he's what he's doing and, and what he potentially has as a, in terms of uh his his pitches and with that velocity. Um yeah, you he's know pin piece. That's yeah, what it is. Well, maybe not. I you know he he you know he pitched four innings the other night. So you know, as as they – but he's like three waves away.
0: Well, how many pitches does he have? I thought he only just had two.
1: Well, no, like I'm saying waves. Like like you got your waves of guys coming. He's he's way down here. Yes, he but, is. But he's somebody to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And yeah.
0: Acosta, is he going to go to uh, – is Acosta going to Hickory anytime soon? What, I don't know. Doing? I
1: mean, they've got a lot of shortstops there. And, you know, keep in mind, he, he didn't – Not Acosta. I'm sorry, Osuna.
0: Oh. Osuna. Uh,
1: I don't – I don't know. I don't know. He's um, hitting 327 he's, or. He's he's 19. Um, so I, I think. While you want to. You, you want to rush some guys. But. Um, I don't. I don't know. You know this is. This is. Okay. This, this is probably. He probably needs a little more time in down east. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bump him yet. And you know. These are the babies. H- H- Hickory's loaded, you know. Hickory's got a lot, of, a lot of stuff, and they're also relying on the things that happen above them. Yeah, they so. do have to move up. Yeah, that, that, so. you're
0: absolutely right. Colleys there, but you go up and down. I was pulling up some of these guys, trying to get some quick notes, see what they're doing uh, there and at, at Downey. And every one of them are 19. They're all 19, 19. I mean, let's. These are kids. I mean, you, you, to get yeah. them up there and do yeah. that. Hickory, Hickory is uh, 35 and 24. Uh, best record in the minor league system right now. They're seven and three. Their last ten games, they've won the last two. Acuna, is yeah. he headed to Double A anytime soon?
1: I don't know. I mean, he you know he played, can he do more? He <laughs> he played the full season last year. Um, that was that was really helpful for him. You know, he he got a feel for what pro ball is like. And you know, and you got to keep in mind that that he he had his Dominican year, the year in the Dominican summer league, and then COVID. So a lot of these guys missed a year. But right. you know, it really. If you if you look at what he he's done since let's say uh, mid June last year to now it's phenomenal yeah and, and yeah. Um, he hits the ball super hard he's fast he's athletic uh pretty pretty interesting story here side you yeah know, I was on we were on vacation and we went down to a, a Braves game and then um, somebody with the Braves was, was kind enough to help me get some some tickets and uh, they were they were in the family section and um, two rows in front of us was Ronald Acuna's family Yep or Luis Onhill's family too. Right. And um little
0: brother to, to uh, yeah,
1: his, his, his their father is like 64. Really? Yeah, and he's like lean and um anyway, some of the other family members, I don't know their cousins or what, a couple of them were like really put together too and and you know, like pound for pound Luis Onhill is one of the strongest guys in the Rangers system. Yes, I mean he he looks like a he looks like a he'd be a great running back. You know, Absolutely, he's fast, strong. About five nine, five ten. Yeah, like he yeah, about exactly. And you know they they last year they were saying, boy, we hope he hits that. You know, Ronald had a little growth spurt. Yeah, after he got after he signed and he grew, he's only like six feet. Right, but still, if you could get this guy up to six feet, it's just different. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's still. Crushes the ball. He does. Um, you know, he there. Depending on what happens with Duran, you know, if if Duran sticks on the team or maybe he goes to AAA if he gets sent down, uh, maybe there's a spot for Acuna. But you know, he he did miss the first month, so really he's he's into his sure f- six weeks into his season, so he probably needs to play a little more in high A.
0: Yeah, and somebody that they could bring up too, if if they want to keep Acuna down just for a little bit, someone like Cease who's starting to hit the ball a little better. He's got six home runs. I mean he's older he's old for that league. He probably he, is. he probably needs to
1: go up he, he, and- he's old in age, you know, experience, we know about his injuries. Um he is playing shortstop some now. Right. So so I guess you know the knee he, he's been cleared to do all activities and and you know it's not a coincidence that his bat has picked up since he started being able to play shortstop, you know. What right. I mean DH D is tough. I mean yeah. I, I know I know people are like, yes. "Oh, yeah. and and some guys really they find a find a groove and find a routine, but right DH can be tough on on somebody who's used to being in the action all the time. So uh, it's not a surprise to see that that pick up and good for him because yep. he's a, he's a great story. Yeah,
0: and and names to keep watching there, guys. You got Zavala there. You got Carter, obviously. Um, Evan Carter is going to be. I think that's the top of the uh, top yeah. of the prospecting. So JC, who's done pretty well, he's doing good. He's hitting well there. You got to keep an eye on those names. Mark Church is the guy that is just still forty-seven strikeouts in twenty-seven innings. Yeah, that guy right there is that's another one you got to open your eyes to. Yeah,
1: and and you know he 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 may see Frisco, but um they're also they also want him to stretch out a little bit because they're thinking about his, his two pitches are so good that they think he could survive as a starting pitcher with with the two pitches. Wow. Um, so they want they, they're flirting with the idea, you know, yeah. stretching him out a little bit. And a guy a guy you you should. Uh, We should also recognize, and I'm going to write a story about him uh, for Friday on the farm is Trevor Hover, who's the fourth guy in In the, in the the Joey Gallo trade. And you look at his, his average is about 245, which is up significantly because he had a bad start, but his on-base percentage is over 400. His, uh, his slugging percentage is over 400. This is a guy that can hit and, and, and he, you know, he is at high A last year was his first year in pro ball. Uh, But he could be there are a lot of guys who think he's a good he's gonna be a good enough hitter uh to to be in the major leagues. And you know, he he was an infielder, he plays outfield now. But that this this trade's not done. This no. trade's not done.
0: <laughs> Yankees are kicking themselves right now. They well look, and yeah. it happens to everyone. Sure. Everyone they make that trade, that thing happens. Uh, um and Evan Carter, I know it's like Evan Carter last night was like one for five but walked three times or something. Yeah, and,
1: and he he had, had some time off uh not you one know, for five. You, 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 yeah. know the, you know the NBA term, workload management. Sure. Uh, the Rangers are actually kind of believers in that, especially for their younger players. And Evan Carter is 19. Yeah. And last year he had 106 at-bats. He's already flown past that. So kind of got to let him catch up, breathe a little bit, let his mind rest. And, and since he's been back, he's been pretty good.
0: Absolutely. Thin body, too. He's got to catch up to that, yeah. grow a little <clears throat> bit, and get mm-hmm. some beef. A guy to watch that's on that staff who might be moving up pretty soon, we're thinking and hoping, is, is Owen White. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yep. There mm-hmm. he is right there. Um, look at look, uh, Cole Reagans, who we're about to talk to. Cole already, Reagans. Yep. He's already moved up. Uh, is starting tonight. This is Thursday, by the way. By yeah. the time you listen to this, that that start will be over. Moved up to AAA. That's opening a spot. Maybe you don't necessarily have to fill that rotation spot at AA. They do yeah. have a few starters there, but yeah. look for this guy. This may be somebody yeah. you guys that are in the metroplex want to go out and watch somebody that looks like a, maybe one of the top pitching prospects in the organization. This guy right here right now is going good. Yeah,
1: he needed to. You know, he 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 didn't pitch a lot last year. You know, I know he had a great fall league. Right but you know he hurt his hand and only had like 30 regular season innings so this is kind of this is kind of his first full season cuz he had the the Tommy you know he didn't pitch after the he was drafted in 18 Tommy right. John covid broke his hand so now this is his first full season uh, a new level for him and I know the the fall leagues are highly thought of but uh, he had to had to adjust a little bit. His ERA is about I don't know four and a half right, right. now, but he has seventy two strikeouts in fifty seven innings. Yep. I mean, the, the stuff is there. He's not walking a lot of guys. Uh, he he's come into his comfort zone, and and I do think it's you know a matter of time until he's he's promoted to to Frisco. And he's uh, probably
0: right around the same age as Lighter too, isn't he? I mean, he's he, he was drafted a few years. Sure, back, they're so.
1: they're you know that 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 uh, 18, <coughs> eighteen draft. It was when and then and then Owen. And then uh, John Ornalis, who's having a phenomenal year, wrote about him wrote him about him on Friday on the farm, and and then it was Mason Engler. Those are the top four picks, and uh, so yeah, they're all the same age. Um, they're a little older than Jack, but. You know, not like 5 years older. I mean it's 20 sure. and these are, we're talking about 22, 23 year olds.
0: Right. Okay, so Ricky Vanasco too. We're watching you Ricky, friend of the podcast here. He he's starting to get it together. He has got to control his control his pitches. He's walking yeah. too many. Uh-huh. I think velocity's finally starting to come back up. He was yeah. sitting low 90s. He's this is a guy that sits at the top of the zone. Uh went four innings last night. Let's go down to Frisco. 29 and 32 and 8 in the last 10. Um you know, we're seeing some in the upper levels. The upper level teams are are scuttling a little bit. Um, a lot of their players are playing in uh, Arlington, Texas now. Uh, so that that's understandable. They've lost yeah. three in a row. Uh, you've got Leiter there who went one inning the other night. I guess that was designed.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've uh, they're doing this thing now with their rotation, where the guy who pitches um, on Tuesday will then pitch one inning on Sunday and then won't pitch again until the next Saturday. So. Lider won't pitch until Saturday. Okay. Uh, the, this week, <clears throat> but that that's they call it the five plus one, and um. So anyway, he and, and it's a five man rotation as opposed to the the six man rotation they had to start the year. Um. But yeah, you know, <clears throat> and I've, I've mentioned this a couple times. The Texas League and the the Pacific Coast League the, where, where Round Rock plays hitter friendly. Oh my gosh, they're the team. The team ERA is is in both leagues is above five. Right. So <clears throat> when you look at what um, Cole Reagans did, he had a 2 eight in the Texas league. That's like a one, you know, yeah. in, a normal, in a normal pitching environment. And we were talking to Chris Young the other day about, about Jack and, and <clears throat> Cole Wynn. And uh, I wrote about that today. And then Friday, uh, the weekly Rangers uh, uh, minor league notebook that I do. Um, Chris Young pitched in both of those leagues. And he knows the trouble that, lurks there sure you know here in the texas league it's the heat and the wind uh you know in in pacific coast league it's heat wind and then you you go to places at altitude like albuquerque and and reno and yep and, and i don't know i don't know what el paso's uh, altitude is but the ball flies there too so anyway you kind <clears> of <throat> you kind of have to look at these numbers and be like uh all right is it are they really this bad you know and um, you know the the underlying numbers, you know a- underlying uh, analytics uh, data. That's kind of what the Rangers are looking at, and they're not worried about Cole or, or Jack Lyder.
0: No, Ladder. Look, Ladder's has been obvious. He's walked too many. I mean, he's still fine. yeah and Win them. too. Yeah, yeah. But they're both they're both not finding the plate right now, and that's an adjustment <laughs> to to just finding where the zone is, adjusting, doing it, and and it and you know what, it's a learning process. I have yeah. no. Uh, I have no worries about either one of them, especially yeah. with who Jack's dad is and the history. That's just sure. that's just getting some innings under yourself and going. Um, yeah, we we talked about Ornelas and how good you just wrote the story yeah. about him. Harris is now leading uh, 11 home runs. He's got yeah. up to 11 yep, home yep, runs. Yep. yep. Um, good things. They're good players. They're good players to go watch at Frisco. Whoops, Excuse me there. Uh, good good players to go watch in Frisco. Major leaguers that are playing there that aren't there yet. Good guys to go watch. Let's go down to Round Rock. Thirty-three and twenty-nine, three and seven in their last ten. They're scuttling yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Lost a couple of their good players that have gone up to to uh, to the major leagues. They've lost three in a row. Smith's there, so if you're down Rehabbing, there watching yeah. him, Josh Smith's there on rehab. Um, tell me about Solly. Uh,
1: Chris Chris Sa- Chris Saleh. Saleh, Josh it's... Josh Saleh. Not Chris Sale. Josh Sale. Josh Saleh. Um, He's he's got a. He's kind of a Matt Bush uh, without the prison time. Um, right. yeah, you know a, fir- a first round draft pick uh, and you know came, came into some uh, uh, drug addiction. Uh was his, suspended yeah yeah you know, bas-
0: Josh Hamilton came, like.
1: came out of you know forced himself out of baseball you know basically right. through his addiction but he's overcome it. Uh, he, he is older he's 30 30 31 um, but last year he, he returned to independent ball. And like had this massive season, sure. like unbelievably huge season. The Rangers brought him to instructs. They brought him to tell a story, and then they ended up letting him play some games. You know, Roy Silver, who was tied in with with Hamilton, right? Um, and and knows Matt Matt Bush as well, knows uh, Josh Soleil and and uh, it yeah, you know, it's a good it's it's a good story that he's able been able to you know reclaim his life and and True. he's he's on a straight straightened path and uh clean from from his abuse uh is he a prospect you know i i don't at I, that age i doubt it but yeah. look he he had a seven, he had a two homer seven rbi game uh last week at tacoma um <clears throat> you know he, he yeah Hitting hey, 292 he's yeah. got a
0: 999 ops i mean root for root
1: for these guys see what Absolutely. happens you know there, there's a guy at frisco named trey Hare who's uh Wait, you know, last year, last year was an independent ball. Yeah, and um, he's 26 in Double A. He was just the Texas League Player of the Week. He had five home runs last week, yeah. he, and he hit him in, in five straight games, which is a Frisco record. So, you know, you never know. Um, I, I don't, I don't think either one of them's a prospect, but hey, you know, guys come at their own pace and. And uh, late season, some, maybe, something, maybe if something a, funky could happen. You never know.
0: An injury late in the year, you have yeah, that thing come up. Somebody has to go down on a sixty-day uh, or something. Maybe that's somebody that can come up here and get a few at bats to end to end his career. He's obviously, you know, uh, do, yeah. do something like that, and maybe it gets him into a camp next year on a minor league deal where he has a chance or, to. You
1: know, or maybe maybe he's just fulfilling a personal goal. You know, sure. you know hey, I can I could do this again.
0: Absolutely. You know? and, and, um, if you're looking down there, a uh, couple of promotions that went down that we talked about, Reagan's, <laughs> yeah. uh, Lee, who's been on this, Chase Lee, he yep. went up there, did give up a three-run home run last night. He wasn't getting hit around guys. He walked two guys. That's that's yeah. never good. We know how walks go. He ended up giving a three-run bomb. Uh, first time out last night, um, you know, finding the plate, didn't do it, probably hung a slider, one of those goofy sliders. <laughs> throws. Um, whatever he did, but they, no worry there. It's good to see him, them get their promotions going up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, still worried about Wenzel. Um, this guy is getting past. He's kind of getting well. You know,
1: he he, he has to stay healthy.
0: I he's mean, yeah, That's, he was that's
1: the thing. I mean, he's you know even even the year he was drafted in nineteen, he was hurt and then got hurt right away. And so, uh, if he can stay healthy, he's going to get the reps he needs. Yeah, and and can become a, a you know I don't know find his footing. I mean, but that's the key for him. I mean, they they still think he's wonderfully talented and a, a major league capable player. Sure, but. He's got to he's got to stay on the field.
0: Yep. All right. Anybody else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here?
1: No, I think I think we pretty pretty much exhausted all of them there. And I you know and uh, um, I just we just the, the player development thing and, and the minor leagues. That's that's just good stuff to to pay attention to. And 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 I, and I know that this team still you know the major league team has spent a ton of money and yeah. You gotta understand that to make to make it work, to make all that money work, you gotta have the young guys. Absolutely. To, to make to make everything click to remain to have financial flexibility. And when when guys uh get old, you know, kind of get moved aside or moved to another position. I mean, potentially that's what happens to Corey Seager. Maybe he in a couple of years is a third baseman and somebody sure. else, you know, Josh Smith is the shortstop. Who knows? But um you gotta you gotta know these guys and and and, and so that when you when they come up, yep. you're like, Oh hey, I heard about him on the Texas Rangers baseball podcast or at rangerstoday.com because, because we're killing it. We're, we're, we're making our, uh, I don't know if we're making our money on the minor leagues, but we're definitely doing very well with the minor leagues. So. Absolutely.
0: Well, it's important. And in, uh-huh. in today's day and age, you got to get your minor league coverage. It's so easy to get right now with the click and this is the place you can get it. This is the, the beat reporter right here for the Texas Rangers. That's got it all going with the minor league system. This isn't just, we mentioned the minor leagues. We've got coverage in yeah. the minor leagues yeah. and we're getting these players on Guys, that's going to wrap it up for this one. That's episode 39 we got in the books. Yeah, hang uh, on.
1: rangerstoday.com, $5.99 a month, $60 a year. Absolutely. Our our podcast, YouTube channel. Hit, S- that, hit, the, hit the subscribe button. Hit
0: the subscribe button. Get that yep, going up yep. so that we can get monetized on that. Guys, give us a like. We love the comments. I try to get on on the YouTube channel, try yeah, to comment back. It. And thank you guys for doing it. Uh, It's been a fun one. Anything else before we go?
1: Nope. Sorry, I didn't shave. I I forgot to shave this morning.
0: (laughs) Jeff didn't shave. We'll punish him for that one. There's a fine (laughs) coming. Guys, thanks a lot. Thanks to David Murphy for coming out here and joining us. Till next time, we'll see you at the yard.